3: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hey, Keith. Hi, how are you? Doing quite well. Well, you know, Katie, you're just a small-town girl, born and raised in, well, west of Detroit.
0: (laughs) Indeed. And we'll be taking a musical journey today on the show that you won't want to miss. Because the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop
3: on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop.
0: Today on the show, we've got Coming Around Again with Billboard.com Senior Associate Editor Andrew Unterberger. Andrew will be discussing the 10th anniversary of the series finale of The Sopranos with Kyle McGovern, editor of Mike's Hype Channel. The guys will be talking about how The Sopranos used music in general through its six-season run, as well as a certain major musical moment involving Journey's Don't Stop Believin' at the end of the finale. So stay tuned for that in just a few moments. But first before we get started,
3: if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or at KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes dot com slash Billboard Podcasts. Well, before we join the mob, I, I mean Andrew and Kyle. Uh-huh. Uh, Let's talk about Journeys Don't Stop Believin'. Uh, The song, which peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 back in 1982, gained millions of new fans starting in 2005 after the Chicago White Sox adopted it as an anthem in its March to the World series. Uh, Two years later, in 2007, it was used in the final scene of The Sopranos. And years later, the tune continues to pop up in TV shows, video games, and films. The track has actually sold seven million digital downloads in the United States, according to Nielsen Music, and is the twentieth biggest-selling digital song ever, and the biggest-selling digital song recorded in the 1980s.
0: Don't forget its use in The Hills either, because that was a big one. Oh, I
3: think yeah, I think in between, <laughs> I think between the, the White Sox and The Sopranos, uh-huh. like it was used in The Hills, and that kept it going and
0: it just turned into this
3: enormous pop culture moment. It's always
0: been a pop culture moment for me though coming from Michigan. <laughs> um where they just just the mere mention of the city of Detroit is very exciting even though there's not really a south Detroit I, fun fact which is so weird. There's a there's an area called Down River that is south of Detroit sort of but Born and raised in Down River. Exactly. Not quite the same region. Exactly. To it but let's get into coming around again to hear all about that song and the Sopranos.
2: Hello and welcome to Coming Around Again, Billboard's anniversary theme podcast celebrating milestone anniversaries in the music world. Uh, We're going a little bit outside the music world today, uh, talking about the 10th anniversary of Made in America, which was the final episode of The Sopranos, uh, June 10th, 2007, turns 10 on Saturday. Uh, which, you know, had a very, very famous music sync at the end of it that we're going to talk about a lot. And Sopranos in general is one of the kind of the great TV shows in terms of using music uh, in in new and interesting ways and ways that a lot of TV shows have picked up on since. Uh, and here to talk about it with us, we have uh, my old editor at Spin, <laughs> Kyle McGovern, current editor, at, sorry, culture editor, and Mike. What's up, Kyle?
1: Hey, man. How you doing?
2: Doing all right. Uh, so I had to have you on for this one. Your your first appearance on coming around again. I appreciate uh, it. So this is probably, you're probably your, your number one show of all time. Have you officially decided on that?
1: Uh, I recently did a list, and I came shocked in to hear that. <laughs> came in at number two. Behind, behind Mad Men. Behind
2: Mad Men. Yeah, wow. it's
1: it's it's tough though because I, I was at a screening of a Sopranos episode last night and uh, I rewatched the Made in America episode last night as well and it, it definitely had me reconsidering. Like I think it's a one A one B situation.
2: Uh, back when we worked together, we we wouldn't debate the Sopranos versus Mad Men so much as we would debate the Sopranos versus The Wire. And certainly with that with that with that debate, I always thought the the, the one that I watched the more recently was the one that I had in my as my number one certainly. Uh, Mad Men, not not really the discussion. Come on, man. Let's, let's 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 take it easy with that.
1: No, no, that's the show, man. Wow. It's, it's, <laughs> Don't know about that, but
2: uh, I guess that makes that makes for a good uh, good counterpoint there because not only is The Sopranos your number two show of all time, but correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't uh, Journeys Don't Stop Believing your number two song of all time?
1: Yes, man. Yes, I'm I'm very glad that you remember that. Yeah, it is behind Mariah Carey's Fantasy. And, and how much does that have to do with it being used in the final episode of The Sopranos?
2: Probably about, like, 97%. 97%? So did, did, does that mean, like, the show wasn't even the discuss? sorry, the song wasn't even in the discussion before the show came out?
1: Yeah, I really was not all that familiar with the song before, which I, <laughs> it's just ridiculous Youngin. to say. I know. Um, I feel like I, I'd heard it before, but I feel like um, when I was younger and I heard it, I, for some reason, I always assumed it was a Rod Stewart song.
2: Rod Stewart?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Is, is there, like, any reasoning behind that? I, for some reason, I thought Steve Perry sounded like Rod Stewart. I was like a teenager at the time. I don't He's know. A high voice gentleman, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I was just a pup, man.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. But, uh, obviously we mentioned don't stop believing cause it was used in, in that Sopranos episode and probably it's gone on to be one of the most famous scenes in TV history. One of the most discussed scenes in TV history, uh, the, the scene at the end of the episode where, you know, Tony's with his family at the, at the, what was the name of the restaurant? We were actually talking about this a minute ago. Uh, it's called Holston's. Holston's this is a real restaurant in New Jersey. Uh, they order a plate of onion rings and Tony puts the song on the jukebox as he kind of waits for the rest of his family. You know, it starts out with just him and Carmela, the rest of his family files in, and then there's the, there's a dramatic cut to black at the end. And obviously 10 years gone on. I saw actually Wikipedia has collected like every David Chase, the, you know, the creative soprano, every David Chase quote, about that, about being asked about that final scene and what it means. And I'm I think he's familiar he, with that section. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it just gets vaguer and more irritated sounding as it goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was, at, you know, I was at the screening last night and he was there and the screening was the episode, uh, Pine Barrens where Paulie and Christopher are lost in the woods looking for the Russian. Um, but any Q and a about the Sopranos at this point, of the course, last yeah. episode always comes up. Um, and, David Chase actually joked that Matt Weiner, who worked on The Sopranos and created Mad Men, Mm. once told him that he thought the way Mad Men should end is it should cut to Don Draper as an old man, as a 92-year-old, watching The Sopranos finale, and he just, like, throws his beer at the television.
2: That would have been a good one. Got a, got a hearty laugh. It, it would have probably been more satisfying than the actual Mad Men final scene, which I guess was, is also kind of in that, that polarizing discussion. We
1: can debate that ending in like right. eight years.
2: All right, fine about that. <laughs> uh, but, so what, what do you actually remember about watching this episode at the time? What, what, what were your feelings leading up to it? How did you feel about it afterwards? Uh,
1: well, um, I, never, I, I, I didn't watch the show too closely while it was really on. I, I caught it here and there throughout a few years. And then the last two seasons um when I was in college, that's when I sort of watched it week to week more or less. Mm. And I remember watching the final nine episodes pretty closely. So I, I was building anticipation, but it was more out of excitement that it was just like this big cultural juggernaut is going to come to an end. Um and I remember watching the episode in my room with my girlfriend at the time and my best friend. Cut to black happens. My mother's watching it. She's on the phone in the living room with her sister. And she just starts screaming, like, (laughs) what the hell just happened? And my friend, he's a bit of a, you know, he he likes to bust – chops so he just like yells out Kathy it was genius and she's just getting furious so that's like my so prevailing memory that, that's the of- crystallization
2: right there is the, the, the one person who thinks that it's this
1: profound meaningful statement and the yeah. other person is
2: like what the fuck just happened
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I don't even think he was being sincere he clearly just was just trying to, to, to upset her <laughs> oh you don't get it I yeah he, like, he was trolling her but yeah. like I, I remember liking it a lot I remember mm-hmm. thinking uh, even with my limited uh, exposure to the show that it felt in character at the show
2: yeah, I, I would say that I, I didn't get the ending certainly right away. Uh, my dad, who usually understands these things pretty well, like he he sort of he saw saw it instantly, and he just he, I don't I don't think he would have been swayed by any of the conspiracy theories about oh yeah the guy who goes to the bathroom is really going to come back and kill him because he gets a gun like the guy like they do in the Godfather or, yeah. or, or any of that other sort of you know kind of big web stuff that people have have theorized about over the years. Uh, he just says life goes on. That's it. You know, uh, he's got these petty nuisances in his life and he's got, uh, you know, these things that he has to worry about pretty much for every second for every day from from here on out. But, uh, you know, it just keeps going. And I think I came around to the ending pretty quickly. The rest of the episode is, is another matter. But the ending, I think, you know, that makes sense to me now, certainly at the time. I mean, did you think that your cable had cut out?
1: No, I did not. But actually, a, f- a different friend of mine who years later watched the DVDs had told me that when she watched it, she assumed that, like, she had gotten a scratch DVD or something. Oh, wow. So there were a couple months where she just wasn't sure what... Ha- I don't know why she didn't Google it.
2: But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it hadn't been ruined, her- ruined for her?
1: Somehow, no. Like, I think this was, like, 2011 or something. So it was mm-hmm. a couple of years after. So there was plenty of time for it to be ruined. But I, th- I feel like that ending now still really hangs up over the culture. I feel like it's been calcified as, like, the go-to series finale right of recent years and how much of that do you think has to do with Don't Stop Believing I mean I think it's entirely because of that scene Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the song I don't know if it's because of the song per se but I definitely feel like the song has become sort of shorthand for that like you remember like the summer that that came out I feel like Hillary Clinton announced her presidential campaign. Oh,
2: right. And there was like a parody video with her sitting in that diner. Yeah, where yeah. she's
1: in the diner with Bill. Um,
2: God, I forgot about that. Yeah,
1: it just, it. just I feel like that ending just very quickly became uh, a cultural touchstone and like a reference point for people to make. Yeah, and I wonder like if you asked
2: your average Sopranos fan or casual fan, even some of the more serious ones, like can you name two other things that happened in that episode? I, I doubt they'd be able to come up with it. Like there's really like... A, it's almost like an anti-finale in a lot of ways, and that it, it's, it's very sure. undramatic in terms of like like there's not a lot of resolution, there's not a lot of big character moments, there's not a lot of like you know the Russian doesn't come back from the Pine Barrens episode and like yeah. launch a last second attack on Pauly, uh, nothing <laughs> nothing like that happens. It's very much just another Sopranos episode aside from the fact that it happens to be the last one.
1: Yeah, I mean that's why I I love it. Um, I mean rewatching it again last night, I hadn't seen it in the last like five years or so. Mm-hmm but i felt like there was a m- certainly more closure than i remembered mm-hmm. i you know things aren't tied up with a, a neat bow but i feel like basically every scene gives you a sense of like where these characters are going to be going um in the future you know and like there's just really little ones like i feel like even not too long before the diner scene there's a scene where like carmella's looking at um construction plans for a new house cuz that season she had decided she was going to right, yeah. be into developing real estate and stuff, <laughs> you know, and it just sort of is a sign that it's like, she's going to pick that hobby up again and try mm-hmm. to uh, build her own habits. I mean, if you want to talk about like the merits of the episode, I'm sure you want. i sure you want to do that a little later, but do, yeah. you, do you want to focus on the song more now? Yeah, that's fine.
2: Uh, so yeah, obviously this is a music theme podcast so we'll <laughs> keep it mostly to the music. Uh, why, why don't stop believing? Why do you, why do you think that's the song that they chose and why do you think it worked so well?
1: Um, I think that, I mean david chase has 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 said that the reason he picked the song is because um he thinks that that that's a song that Tony would have loved i mean, mm-hmm. I mean obviously, like the character picks it on the jukebox um but I mean, I feel like you know you mentioned in the intro that the show is has such a great legacy with how it like interacts with music, and a lot of that just comes from like the knowledge of the characters like. There are different, like, musical moments where, like, they talk about Tom Petty or something, or Tony sings along to Steely Dan. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Don't Stop Believing just makes sense. Like, that is a song that guy would have loved um, in the 80s. And, um, I mean, David Chase also just basically said – has said in interviews that the lyrics are, like, speak pretty directly to what he sees as the scene. Like, um, small-town girl, like, that line comes just as Carmella's, like, walking into the restaurant. Um, City Boys clearly referencing Tony. Um, but it, like, watching it last night, There's it's just, the lyrics, like, speak directly to how the shot's composed, I feel like.
2: Well, maybe. I I don't think it does it in a way that really draws attention to itself, and then that's one of my my favorite things about the way The Sopranos uses music in general. I feel like a lot of shows, especially now, use uh, music in a way that where it's, it, it's either the, the lyrics are supposed to kind of directly comment on what's going on, or they're supposed to be v- sort of very purposefully uh, antithetical to the scene that's going on. And I feel like the Sopranos never really leaned too heavily on either type of song. They would more use songs where the, the feeling was kind of the important thing. And then maybe there would be you know, kind of some sentiments in the lyrics that, that spoke to the scene. But it w- there would very rarely be those kind of like very explicit like call-outs of like, what's actually going on in the scene at that moment. And I, I guess you can, you can sort of see it with some of the things that you're talking about in the Journey song. But I, I think mostly the power of that scene comes from just the intensity of it, like the, the kind of the dramatic crescendo that goes on throughout the song. Yeah. And it, it kind of mirrors what's going on with viewers watching because I think at, at the time, you know, you're watching, you're, you're watching the clock, you got, you got your eye on, on exactly how much time is left in the episode. And you're thinking this is probably going to be the last scene in the episode. Yeah,
1: Meadow's parking. Right.
2: Yeah. But like as she's parking and the song's kind of ramping up, like it becomes almost unbearably tense. Like I remember watching it at the time, I could barely breathe watching some of those some of those shots. And yeah, like her parallel parking and she like gets it wrong the first time and like I thought my heart was going to stop. Yeah. Uh and and so I think that's that's, I think the real like power of using don't stop believing in that moment is just that the, the song kind of arcs up the way that that fans were expecting that it, it was going to kind of climax with this one, like unbelievable uh, revelation or, or development or something. And it just, just never quite happens. And it cuts off like the song cuts off.
1: Yeah. I mean, like it, it's a very glossy song, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like it, it it's very schmaltzy and it's designed like for moments like that, you know, where Absolutely. you, where your life feels bigger than it actually is. And, um, Yeah, but but I really do think that it's just you're right. The way the song song is structured, it just adds so much drama to the scene. But also, like, like there's a scene like there's when Steve Perry sings the line goes on and on and on. It's like right after when Tony tells Carmela that Carlo, one of his soldiers, is going to testify against him, and you just get the sense that it's like exactly like what your dad said. Like life's going to go on. Like he's going to have a new thing that's going to have to bother him.
2: It's interesting, you know. I, I never even really like, tried to look that closely, like, matching, like, specific lines in the dialogue to specific lines in the song, I guess, maybe because Sopranos had kind of trained me not to look for that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, but I, I really think that this was the case where David Chase, I don't even think he's being glib when he's like, it's all there. Like, I am mm-hmm. I mean, you want to think he's being contrarian by, you know, sort of saying, of course, that's how they never how they used music before. So, of course, in the final scene, he's going to use a super obvious song <laughs> that's constructed with these, you know vaguely meaningful lyrics that can be applied to your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, even, like, the, the line Strangers on the Boulevard, that comes right when the members-only jacket guy, the guy, the guy who is... Or the possible assassin. The possible assassin yeah. walks in to the restaurant. So, I mean, I'm you know, I might be, you know, try, <laughs> I might be diving deep on the conspiracy theories mm-hmm. here, but, like, that stuff is there for you to read into. And I, I don't think the show hits you over the head with it. No. Nah. Uh, and, I mean...
2: I was re- just reading about it earlier, apparently, like, he asked for permission to use the song a year in advance, I yeah. think, something like that. Something, so it, clearly he, like, was, he had mapped this out well in advance, so it would not be shocking if he, he actually did take the time to kind of match up shots and lyrics and, and really frame it in such a way that, because I guess he knew that people ten years later would still be going back and really kind of analyzing every every split second of it to try to, try to draw as much meaning from it as humanly possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did a, an interview, I think, with the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, mm-hmm magazine, like two years ago, um, where he like basically broke it down shot for shot and like talked about it. Like it was in, it was impeccably crafted. Like the the music starts the second Carmela comes in and that just kickstarts like the last like couple minutes. It's it's it's, it's really like its own short film. Um, I feel like sometimes with David Chase, he, he's like a, like a murderer who
2: concocted this like really elaborate scheme to like get away with it. And, but, but he can't resist talking about it. Like, 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 it's like, <laughs> he, he doesn't want to get caught, but he, he can't resist explaining he, like the, the minutiae of his own genius. The, the, if I did it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Book. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 that's David Chase kind of like, he, he's like, oh, don't ask me about it. Like, I don't know. Don't, yeah, don't, yeah. don't, don't ask an artist to explain his art. But he's like, well, actually, you know, I did do this here and I did do this there. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of clever if you want to think about it, but I, I guess he, he's, he's kind of playing a long game here. Like he, he, he kind of. He lets it go in drips and drabs, and he doesn't, like, like I don't know, did he ever release a director's commentary for this scene? I don't think so. I don't Probably
1: know. Not. I'm not sure. I feel like he wouldn't
2: give it away all at once like that, but he, he gives you enough breadcrumbs that, like, people keep coming back and, like, wanting to know a little bit more about what happened in that scene.
1: Did When you read about how he was planning to use it a year in advance, were you aware that um, he asked, like, Steve Perry for permission, and Steve Perry basically said, like, he, he wasn't sure about whether or not he wanted to give the green light because he was like, I don't want my song to forever be associated with... Tony Soprano getting, you know, getting got got in the last minute of the show. And David Chase assured him, like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Or is it? Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like he's sort of uh, pulled pulled a fast one on him.
2: But as I think the Journey members have sort of owned up to in their own time, this basically established, this, this gave them a credibility beyond anything they had in their own time. Uh, anything that they had in the decades since, I mean, I think the tide had already sort of started to turn on Journey because enough time had passed since they were kind of considered critical anathema in the late '70s and early '80s. Yeah, and you know, you got, you know, uh, college kids would do their songs karaoke, and there would, there would be kind of ironic covers of Journey songs, and then it would it would trickle into like actual critical appreciation. But like Journey getting inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't know if that happens without this song. I mean, without this song being used in, in this episode, like, and, and it's gone on to be. I think it's the best-selling rock song of the 20th century. I think it might be the the most streamed Spotify song of the entire 20th century, like, more than anything by Michael Jackson or The Beatles or Nirvana yeah. or anything like that. Like, th- this has kind of endured as the song, the classic rock song, and it's I think it's largely because of this episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a few years ago, um, it was, like, the best-selling iTunes mm-hmm. track of all time, and... Yeah, you can definitely draw a line from that to the show because I think after this episode aired, like sales of that song on iTunes and it jumped like five hundred percent or something like that. Um, it, you know, the song also was used apparently in an episode of Glee.
2: Yeah, actually, the the highest charting version on the Billboard Hot one hundred of insane. "Don't Stop Believing" is that Glee version. Now, I think the the Journey version was actually not even. I mean, it was it was a hit. It was like a number nine hit for them back in the day, but that made it. You know, the, I think the third highest charting song on that album, mm-hmm. uh, probably only like the fifth or sixth of their entire career. So it wasn't the Journey song. I mean, I think it sort of endured. It already already started to endure better than some of their other, like, quote unquote, bigger hits in the decades since. And I remember like the Chicago White Sox used it as their rallying song on their way to their 2005 World Series championship. And uh, there were a couple other kind of usages here and there. I think there was a big one. Laguna Beach, I want to say, like, like there, there had been other sinks. It wasn't like this was the first one, but this was the one that like ensured that it would be part of the popular consciousness forever.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the word is for this psychological phenomena, but you know, like that thing where it's like, you can't tell if um, you're noticing something all the time because you've just become aware of it. This I feel like the summer after this episode aired, I was at so many parties where like there were literally just like. Buffoons with their shirts off, drunkenly singing along to this song, sure. like doing karaoke. And I don't know if it's the kind of thing that I would have necessarily it picked there up to on. Begin with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, man, like this—this this is not even the only time the Sopranos used a journey song.
2: What was the other one? I don't remember that.
1: It was in the second season they used "Wheel in the Sky," which is a terrible oh. song. Oh, come on! I mean, it's not "Don't Stop Believing." It's not a terrible. The song. wheel in the sky keeps turning. What is? Oh, look, it's that? journey, man. What do you want? All no, right? "Don't Stop Believing" is like. You know, listen, you're not going to confuse that with, like, a Bob Dylan lyric by Probably any not. means. But, like, that has that has a meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it has a meaning you can put on it. The wheel in the sky, like, what the hell is he talking about? It keeps on turning. <laughs> no. Yeah, and it's played in a scene where, like, uh, Tony and AJ are, like, in a boat together. And I think, like, their boat just, like, the 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 wave of their boat like sinks some other dude and it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's well,
2: not an iconic yeah it sounds like it's not shocking that this is the one we're talking about ten years later and, and not the other uh, wheel in the sky usage but uh, because you mentioned Bob Dylan I, I did kind of want to shout out a couple of the other songs used in this episode because there sure. yeah there were a bunch of songs in it uh, uh, the Vanilla Fudge cover of You Keep Me Hanging On by the Supremes <laughs> it's it's the it's in a couple times it's uh, it's the first actually the first song you hear in the episode where Tony wakes up and it's yeah it's kind of this like groaning very very like I don't know, sick-sounding organ riff, and, and like it, it kind of mirrors what's going on in Tony's head, and he's just like, oh, the, the slog of trying to get through these these final days of warring with uh, Phil Leotardo and his regime. Yeah. Uh, and... Denise by Randy and the Rainbows. While uh, I love that song, it's a really good song. That, that, that's that's some of your your early sixties uh, pre Beatles pop for yeah, you. Yeah, I love I love
1: the Blondie cover of that too. Yeah, uh, Denise, Denis, yeah, Denis, yeah, yeah, and, and, that, and that shot's so great too with him and Polly just sitting in that car in the snow. Like it's yeah, it, the, the, the airplane flies overhead. Yeah. The whole episode, I think, is just beautifully put together. Mm.
2: And uh, Bob Dylan, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, it's all right, Mom. Only bleeding while AJ <laughs> explodes his SUV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, I had sort of forgotten about that scene. That that's got to be like a top three or four AJ scene, right there. For just sure. Just entire, like like, you know, he he seems to be. Coming to some sort of grips to the, into into what, what his life is going to be like, and he he has this sort of promising relationship with the high school girl, but uh, you know he yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not exactly the most emotionally mature guy himself. So and and then uh, you know he's making out with her for the first time, and uh, leaves underneath the SUV catch fire, and you could have grilled sudden, steaks
1: on that converter.
2: <laughs> <you know? laughs> Absolutely, I, I told you so many times about parking on <laughs> the leaves. Yeah, so that that, that that's great.
0: magic moment so different and so new but like any other
3: until I kissed you and then it
2: happened so so, but before we move on to talking about kind of some other finales and other stuff that that we can compare this to, I, I asked you before uh, we before we met up here, uh, is there any other song that you could have pictured being used uh, in this scene? Something that, that kind of hits on some of the same notes as "Don't Stop Believing"?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I actually did some some quick Googling to see if, if Chase ever talked about, if there was like another song that he thought about. I'm sure you
2: should have had a backup plan because Steve Perry had said no for such a long time.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I couldn't find an example of it. It it might be out there, but I didn't see it. Um, so it does seem like this was just the one in his head. And, you know, I was really trying to rack my brain. I mean, I feel like if there is any other song that could be used, it would have to be sort of in the same vein. It Mm -hmm. would have to be a song that like, you believe this guy, you know, a guy, middle-aged uh who was like in his late 20s and the 80s from the northeast would would be interested in you know i feel like the obvious move is like oh maybe just a springsteen song or something like that but even that i think would be too obvious for the level of uh mm-hmm. literal uh, uh literalness that, that <laughs> chase was going for with this um but it's, it's really tough man like i feel like aside from that vague uh time period and style like it's it's at this point it's almost like asking who could have played tony other than james Gandolfini. to me at least you know you don't have an answer for that one either i take it no i mean i know (laughs) (laughs) i know that the guy who actually played jackie april senior um in the first season was actually like the second pick for tony um he didn't get the part uh and as a consolation prize chase cast him as jackie april
2: it probably worked out best for everybody yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well,
2: okay, that, that, that's fine. Uh, you you want to come unprepared with, uh, with that, though, without your choice in hand. <laughs> hey, man, I tried make. to
1: rack my brain, but, you know, it's iconic for a reason. Well, that's
2: true. Uh, I, I certainly spent uh, some time brain-racking as well last night. and I, yeah. uh, I, I think I mostly en- ended up coming to the same conclusion as you, but I, I really, I, I decided, like, let, let, let's run down the list of candidates. Sure. So I, I came up with, like, like a, a good dozen or so songs that they could have used. So I, I, I had sort of the same criteria that you outlined earlier but I went a little bit deeper with it and I, so I figured it has to have these following kind of it has to check these boxes uh, it's got to be an American song Obviously of course, the title's made, yeah. made in America it's an American show etc uh, I think it's got to be instantly recognizable it's got to be the kind of song that like when it comes into the bar like everybody reacts and maybe they're like oh this fucking song again yeah. or like, oh, I love this song but like they got to know what it is right away uh, like you mentioned it's got to kind of be classic rock probably from the 70s or maybe early 80s. Get a little wiggle room with the '80s, but I think like once you're talking about Nirvana and Pearl
1: Jam, discussion's no. over. Yeah. Uh, what year was "Don't Stop Believing" released? 1981.
2: Uh, the, at least the album it was on was 1981. I can't remember if it was an '81 or '82 single. Okay,
1: but for some reason I thought it was later in the '80s. No, but I, but
2: I think Tony's his catalog probably goes up to like '85, '86. I want to say yeah. Like even Guns and Roses, I think would probably be too late for Tony. Probably yeah. So uh, it's got to have, like, a like a real dramatic stakes to it. Like, I don't... Like, it couldn't be a song like George Thurgood's Bad to the Bone or something where it's just, like, a cool song. It's got to have, like, kind of... Kind of a life-or-death quality to it, I think.
1: I uh, feel like it can also be a song that's, like, used... Like like born to run, I feel like it's too obvious, you know. So like a song that
2: uh, I mean, too obvious when you're talking about don't stop believing. Like. I guess
1: I just mean like a a song that's short end. Like you say, like bad to the bone or something. I feel like you know that's in like problem child. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it, it can't have that many associations yeah, with exactly. that. Right? And don't stop
2: mean. believing was already on its way to that, but maybe this was like the last time you could have gotten away with it. Yeah, nobody else can use the song at this right. point. Uh, and I think it's got to kind of build an intensity, like I was talking about. It's kind of got to be one long crescendo throughout because yeah. like, it's got to mirror the intensity of the scene, the people watching at home, stuff like that. And I think the outro has to basically be as famous as the intro. I think it has to, it has to get to a, to a peak where everybody still is like on board with the song. They still know it as well as they did when the song started. It can't be one that kind of peters out halfway through. You did give a lot of thought to this. All right, so I did. And so n- now, that I, now that I've given my qualifications, I'm going to run down listen. the most Bill Simmons thing I've ever done, so you're going to love this. Uh, so, uh, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin.
3: Mm.
2: Immediately out by Virtue of Being British, and also probably a little bit too long. I don't, I don't think you can... Yeah. You can't do a song that's like over six
1: minutes, I want to say, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's definitely... Pushing it. Yeah.
2: And Don't Stop Believing, despite being like very epic and having a lot going on, like a lot of kind of discrete sections to talk about. It's only like four four oh nine, I think I checked it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was standing there with my top my stopwatch yeah. and, uh, uh, so on the, on similar sort of theme, uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. Also probably a little bit too long. Too I- slow. Maybe a little bit too slow. And also West Coast as opposed to East Coast. I think you probably need to stick to the Eastern Seaboard for the most part with these artists. Well, but isn't Journey from oh, the it's, Bay it's Area? that's true.
1: <laughs> but, but Hotel California, I mean, is so obviously like...
2: Yeah, that's I a mean, very explicitly a California, California in the title. song. No, I, for some reason, maybe it's just because of the show, I started thinking about Journey as like an East Coast band. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. And I, I, But I, I feel like, I don't know, like it's... it's Journey had a lot of videos on the boardwalk. Like I mean, maybe it was like a San Francisco <laughs> boardwalk, but I, I feel like it, it, they very easily make the make the jump from west coast to east coast but you're right uh fair enough um layla by derek and the dominoes the problem there is the goodfellas usage problem there uh, and and mostly british but yeah the goodfellas usage i think kind of disqualifies that but it's too bad almost because that 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 outro would have been one hell of a thing to end on i think yeah uh but yeah goodfellas obviously iconic usage there and probably can't get away with doing that twice uh, couldn't think of like a really good Billy Joel song to use. Uh, scenes from an Italian Restaurant, I think, is probably the closest. <laughs> uh, also, a little too long, and I think it has too many like tempo jumps. You, I mean, the, the good thing about Don't Stop Believing is that like even though it builds throughout, it kind of like keeps the same pulse throughout. Yeah, it doesn't have like parts where it like, cuts to a completely different section or anything like that. Uh, and Piano Man is just too slow, I think. Like, and he, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> no, we didn't start the fire. was a little bit too late, and a, a little bit. I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if he could have like matched up uh, you know, like all the famous personages in that song to like specific shots going on in that diner. That would have been a tough ask, even for a master like David Chase. I think. Yeah, uh, Come Sail Away by Styx also has some kind of weird parts in the middle, uh, but. I think you're getting closer with that. Uh, yeah. It's got the kind of anthemic quality you're looking for, and it does build throughout. But it's it's probably maybe a little bit too proggy for for Tony's purposes. It doesn't quite you you wouldn't think of Tony and think sticks. I don't think it doesn't quite it doesn't quite sync up. No. Uh Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. Also, like, a three-part epic. I mean, I, I think Tony would have been a pretty big Meatloaf fan. It's I, possible. I, I kind of like that. It's possible. But, yeah, just just too much going on probably wouldn't work. All right, so now, now we're getting into more of the heavy hitters here. All right. Boston's more than a feeling.
1: You might have something there.
2: Yeah, I was thinking, like, the more I thought about that one, the more I kind of, like, the, the wheel started turning, and I was
1: like, yeah. The wheel in the sky, The wheel man. in the sky. It's always the wheel turning. In the sky did not t- <laughs> start,
2: start turning, but the, the wheels in my brain certainly did. And... I don't know. I think I think it starts off a little too slow maybe. There's kind of like a soft fade in with that guitar line. Yeah. It doesn't really like punch you right away. But like, yeah, that, that, that that's almost, I think that's more along the lines. I think that in another lifetime you could have subbed this in and it would have done different things and it might not have done them as well, but it wouldn't have seemed inappropriate.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's also definitely a song I could imagine Tony putting
2: on in exactly. a jukebox for yeah. sure. It's a, it's a total jukebox song maybe uh boston as a band doesn't quite carry the same weight as journey as a band
1: yeah if if, if that song is used is boston sort of uh critically reevaluated oh, wow. in the same way like what's that timeline look it's like it's
2: possible but the problem with the problem with that is that uh they don't have quite the back catalog that journey does i mean Obviously this is most the most famous journey song but they have like seven or eight other songs that people know almost as well yeah uh Boston really has this and like four other songs off that album and then maybe another, another like one or two songs total uh, <laughs> and so that that makes it kind of hard for them to get into the same kind of rarefied air that, that journey does uh Dream on by Aerosmith
1: oh I
2: feel like that that's 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 like a that's an intriguing choice I mean that's a
1: great song
2: it's a great song. It's a little bit more ballady than "Don't Stop Believing." I mean, obviously both are, are, are pretty strong power ballads, but I feel like "Dream On" like it's just, it's just a little bit too slow. I think it doesn't quite have that pulse to it that "Don't Stop Believing" does.
1: It's it's more um, it's more mournful than "Don't yeah. Stop Believing." And and David Chase has sort of said like recently. Like I even saw him speak last year. I, I guess I'm just going to a lot of David Chase events. <laughs> but he talked about um, how like when he watches that scene, he's, like, filled with sadness. Mm. So I feel like that element is there, but I, I think, like, the, the message of Don't Stop Believing" is is ultimately a hopeful one, even if it's bittersweet. And I think a song like uh, Dream On would, would take it too far in the other direction. Yeah,
2: there's kind of an eeriness to Dream On that Don't Stop Believing" doesn't have, obviously. And it, it's hard to imagine people getting pumped up by it quite the same way. And, and then also the build isn't quite as, like continuous throughout it as, as it is through don't stop believing yeah uh but it, it, it's 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 an interesting thought certainly uh living on a prayer by Bon Jovi yeah
1: I mean the Jersey connection is strong you obviously
2: know? uh and then that's co- sort of at like the tail end of the kind of like period we're talking about I think that's that's like an 86 song an 87 single so I mean Tony would have been what like in his... In his he would have been like 27 or
1: something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, so,
2: I mean, maybe it would still have that same kind of guttural impact for him, but it's it's, it's hard to imagine it would hit quite the same way as Don't Stop Believing" would. Uh, and also, I, I feel like that song was a little bit more of a cliche at that point already than Don't Stop Believing." It's hard to remember 10 years back. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, the thing that really kills Living on a Prayer in this discussion, I think, is that the intro is it's almost inaudible. Like, it has this, like, 20-second uh, synth fade-in that starts like almost like we have to like like turn up the volume in your speaker because you think like it's not playing correctly mm-hmm. uh, and then like only about f- like uh, like 30 seconds to 40 seconds in is it like
0: do
1: do
2: and from there you're you're off but that, that's yeah. that's too late i think already at that point it's not one of those songs that people recognize like that because it's just you can't hear it for most of the most of the intro yeah so i think that that, that disqualifies living on a prayer from the discussion and right, now we're into the top 3 oh wow don't fear the reaper by blue oyster cult
1: yeah I mean... Maybe a little too on the nose? A little too on the nose. And also, I feel like I'm probably the only person who has this association, but that was used in a Six Feet Under episode sure. to tremendous effect. And I feel like, I don't know, out of respect among the, <laughs> the, HBO, the HBO prestige shows, right. like they probably wouldn't try to crowd that corner.
2: Yeah, that's probably fair. It's it's And it also has like a mid-song breakdown where it like, goes into a completely different tempo, completely different vibe. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to talk about songs that just kind of st- you know, start at 10 and then only go up from there, like, that's Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it probably has a couple too many associations with it. And
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, like, can you imagine if that scene was was set to that song? How insufferable people would be about oh the my- uh, conspiracy theories? Like,
2: Yeah, and, like... I guess it was already sort of a punchline because of the more cowbell SNL sketch. Yeah, that's true. Uh, was, I would say most people probably jumped to ahead of that one Six Feet Under episode, but... Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the cowbell is for that of... song with what this scene is exactly. for Don't Stop believing.
2: So it, 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 it would probably have been too difficult to, to reclaim that one. Yeah. But, oh, man, that would have been a cool scene. Uh, number two, Thunder Road, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, like... If you wanted to really just hit the nail on the head with this scene, you would have gone with the Springsteen song. Uh, maybe that's to its detriment to a certain extent. Yeah, uh, Thunder Road does fit a lot of the qualifications here. It's, it's, it's instantly recognizable. It ramps up through its entirety. It's got an amazing outro. Uh, but it would have seemed probably a little too winking, especially considering that one of the guys who played on that song was in this episode and
1: every, every Sopranos episode. Barely in the episode, but that's yes, you're, you're right. So, number one. All right. Before you before you get to this, can I just like mention? I, I remembered there was one song that I thought of as a as an alternative, but it was used in a different Sopranos episode. You might be about to say the same song that I'm about to say: Tom Petty's "American Girl." Tom Petty's "American Girl." Oh my god, it, that... it
2: would have been perfect. Oh my, the, I cannot amaz- believe amazing it. like like guitar intro. Did, I did, did not this right away. On your feet, my no, American that's fine, man. That's perfect. That's good <laughs> podcasting right there. Uh, Builds throughout. Awesome outro, uh, obviously a song that Tony would have loved, yeah, uh, and, and a song that like everybody would have had their own sort of like, memories associated with, and actually like less of a cliche at that point than yeah. Don't Stop Believing or most of the other songs that we're talking about, but was still one of the great songs of the American rock canon.
1: Perf- it's a basically a perfect song.
2: So tell the people why, why it's disqualified. Uh,
1: because it's... Uh, well, we know it's a song that Tony loved because earlier in the sixth season, Tony's in a coma... And as he's like laying unconscious in his hospital bed, dreaming that he's in some bizarre <laughs> purgatory, uh, you know, Carmela's. Or sne- grouper sandwiches. <laughs> Carmela yeah, the group Carmela's by his bedside and actually puts on American Girl and it's talking to him about, you know, like, remember that summer when this song came out, you played it nonstop from your car, and like she's talking about this memory by the beach, and like it's really one of the most like affecting scenes in yeah. the show. Top like, ten
2: all time scene for me, easily.
1: Yeah. It's like her performance is just she's I know that Edie Falco isn't like hurting for any praise in, mm-hmm. in, on the show, but I still feel like she's underrated. Like, it's a tremendous performance, and and it just really scenes like that, like really drive home that like people like Tony and Carmel like really remind me of like my parents and my parents' friends. Yeah, these
2: are people that led lives. These yeah. are people that were part of the world, part of the same world as us, and yeah. they have these yeah these these kind of associations that we do.
1: Yeah, it's 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 just amazing, um, and the, yeah, that's definitely one of the best. Um, musical moments on the show in general, but obviously since they did it, they couldn't do it like 20 episodes <laughs> later or whatever. you know.
2: Which is a shame, but also isn't because obviously things turned out pretty well with Don't Stop Believin' and, and that other scene is so amazing anyway. So yeah. it probably worked out for the best. But uh, but yeah, if, if they hadn't done that and if Steve Ferry had said no, I think <laughs> American Girl would have been the song for this scene. Mind meld, man. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, yeah. All right, so while we're talking about other uses of uh, music in The Sopranos, do you have any other kind of favorites that jump to mind, moments in this course of the series
1: that they used other songs to, to similar effect? There's so many, I mean, because there there are scenes like like don't stop believing in that American Girl scene where it's like obviously very overt like they're talking about the the song or the song is is is, is explicitly set to the scene. Um, but also the show is like really good at sort of telling you really good marking m- it has really telling markers of time throughout mm. you know like uh the pine barons episode that i saw last night like you got aj wearing a slipknot shirt oh i love aj's new metal period yeah man. it's so good you got him going to that mud vein concert <laughs> yeah you have meadow where uh with the, the no strings attached poster in her dorm room which
2: which by the way like by the time you get to college you're not putting up in sync posters in your dorm room walls i don't think like that 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 didn't ring true to me at all
1: yeah that definitely stretches like cr- like credibility uh-huh. um but also in that episode like aj's Watching the video for Blur's "Coffee and TV," like, wow, yeah, like,
0: that. like
1: it, it's just it, watching the show. Like those little pop culture signifiers really act like a time capsule. But in terms of like syncs, um well, um, there's a really great. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna think I'm nuts, but you make fun of my love of like duop and like all that. But <laughs> sure. like, there was actually a period when I was watching the show where anytime I would hear a song that I loved, I would just like furiously like. Google it and, like, sync it up. There's so many doo songs that I've found just, like, from watching the show that uh, have just be- been, like, brought into my regular rotation. Like, Lou Christie's Summer Snow is, okay. like, plays in a scene where, like, Philly Otardo's having, like, a flashback of something. Um, I don't even remember... Uh, what episode this happens? But like the song "Every Day of the Week" by the students closes. Uh, That's a new one on me. Yeah, dude. No, we're gonna we're gonna, put <laughs> we're gonna put that gonna on after to do this. Of yeah. this all right. Um. But you know, other than that, like you know, there's scenes of Tony joking about Artie Shaw, like when he's playing jazz records for mm-hmm. Junior. Um. The other major moment, though, like is actually from my favorite episode of The Sopranos: Soprano Home Movies. It's the start of that final run of nine mm-hmm. of the final season. Um. This magic moment plays. And like Bobby Bacala is, uh, he's just committed his first murder. <laughs> like Tony's basically corrupted this guy. Right. He was like a, you know a big uh, puppy dog for the whole show. He was just kind of like a a big sweetheart, and he basically just decides to order him to to commit a murder just to because he can. Um, because Bobby sucker punched him five yeah, minutes earlier. In the exactly. Episode. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very petty and ugly, uh, but Bobby. Does the does does what he has to do. He gets home to his, uh, his family's vacation home, and his like little daughter is uh, sees him, and she just screams "Daddy!" and runs to him, and it's like a very idyllic scene, and this magic moment plays, and you got the swirl. It's like it kills me every time, man.
2: Yeah, that's a pretty good one, and then, and you know, there's like a million I could choose uh, to go along with yours, but I, I wanted to put like specific focus on just. Anytime Tony sings along with
1: anything. Oh, man.
2: It's I'm fantastic.
1: cool to do your dirty work.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's a good <laughs> one. And, like, yeah, like, like even in that final episode, like, he sees AJ running alongside the road and he, he starts singing the theme to Rocky Adam to kind of make fun of him. Yeah. And I love him in the shower, like, singing another brick in the wall. We don't need no do da dee da. Like, like, like when, when he sings along to a song, it's, like, very believable in that, like, he never knows all of the words correctly and he kind of does it in his own accent. It, it, it's, it's, it's a very. It's a very good kind of, like, character-building moment whenever that happens. For sure, for so, sure. I love those. Uh, and kind of taking this outside of The Sopranos for a bit, you know, because, you know, this is obviously one of the great uses of music in a finale episode, really any episode ever. Uh, is there something else that strikes you as, like, a Like if we talk about this being, like, the best use of a song in a, in a, in a series finale, is there anything that rivals it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, it's the answer that comes to mind with you, too, is... Um... I mean uh, Made in America is my favorite series finale of all time. Second favorite is the 6 feet under finale. Sure. And that ends with Sia's breathe me, you know, which for a long time was like the number one the number one most played song on my iTunes. Like that's how like wow. into that episode and show I was. Um but yeah, I mean that that scene I think is definitely close to rivaling this. Yeah, I mean in it, terms of the quality of this of the work.
2: Yeah, I, I knew "Breathe Me." I mean, I, I agree with you. I think this is, that that's that's one of the like the all time great music uses in any, any TV show ever. Yeah, uh, and I think that the thing that gives it the edge for me, maybe even over over The Sopranos and "Don't Stop Believing," is that you know I knew "Breathe Me" before. I remember they used to play it on MTVU when I was in college a lot. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, you don't you don't ha- you you haven't lived with it for decades the way some of us have lived with uh, <laughs> with "Don't Stop <laughs> Believing." Yeah, uh, and like. You know, I hear Don't Stop Believing Now, and I think of The Sopranos, but I also think of all these other shows that it was used in, and I I also think of, like, just, just decades of listening to it on the radio and, like, hearing it out in karaoke rooms and bars and stuff like that. Uh... But when I when I hear Breathe Me, I start, like, hyperventilating, just thinking about that, that Six Feet Under scene. Uh, and it's such a powerful and emotional scene, and, and the song goes with it perfectly. And and the scene gets to kind of own the song in a way that I don't even think The Sopranos gets to do with Don't Stop Believing.
1: I mean, that, that Six Feet Under scene, that's how I first discovered Sia. I mean, like, th- yeah, th- sure. that aired in, like, 2005. So this is way before, uh, you know, Chandelier and when she, like, really sort of made her name as a songwriter for Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah i mean that 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 scene definitely like leaves a big footprint on my psyche <laughs> um but I don't know do you do you want to get into the the merits of the episode yeah let's, let's
2: talk we're, we're running short on time here so let's talk about the episode real quick uh yeah you, you give, give me your 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 you know, thirty second take on why this is the, one of the best Sopranos episodes
1: i just think it's it's just really well done i feel like it it uh it's not too showy about wrapping up all these threads, but it gives you just enough you know mm-hmm. i mean like I'm sure that you would say way too much a j
2: Oh, I never say way too much AJ. Oh, all right I love AJ. Okay, a- 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 AJ. I never got sick of AJ. Like even though he was one of the most despicable characters in TV history, I think like, even more so than most of the people actually committing murders on the show on a regular <laughs> basis. Uh, you know, he just reminds you of like every overly entitled, whiny kind of uh, like bullying, but also bratty to just just kind of and just kind of fuck up that you've ever known. Yeah, uh, but. He plays the part so well. Uh, I'm act- very happy to hear this. Just, just the best casting. Maybe, maybe even a better casting job than Tony. And, and, and you can kind of tell because the actor never did anything else. So there is a lot of AJ. I'm fine with that. But keep going.
1: Um, well, I just feel like there's just so much good stuff in this episode, like Polly with the cat, like yelling mm-hmm. at that. Uh, you know, he's just like freaked out because the cat keeps looking at the picture of Christopher. Um, the last scene between Tony and Junior is just That's totally scene, devastating. Sure. Like that. Like I think of. Whenever I think of life's impermanence, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is often, I'm sure. Yeah, I think yeah. of that
1: scene, okay. just like where he's talking to his uncle, who's like doesn't have his dentures in. He's, you know, got this horrible T-shirt on. He's in the state-run mental facility that's like got no funding, and he doesn't even remember who his nephew is, mm-hmm. you know. And and James, or that he once ran North Jersey with Tony's, uh, Tony's yeah, father. Yeah. yeah, man, it just tells you like you know, eventually everybody just disappears and, and just the look James Gandolfini gives him is just, he just communicates so much with his eyes. And um, yeah, I just feel like uh, there's just so much, so many moments like that, man. Mm -hmm. So many like little character moments. Cause Tony does manage to basically interact with every major character that's left on the show. You know, he he has the moment where he visits Syl just, and there's basically no dialogue there, but they knew that people were going to want that, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah. uh, So, I will say that when, when this episode came out, did not care for it. Yeah. Uh, I came around to the final scene, still didn't come around to the to the episode entire for a long time. I still wouldn't call it one of my favorite Sopranos episodes, just because like there really aren't like Sopranos was like a, like a, although it was a show about little moments, it was also a show about like really big moments. And like, I, I think about like white Caps, the, the episode where, where yeah. he and, he and Carmela finally have their nasty split. And there's just moments in that episode. that are so emotional and, and so, so overpowering. That like It's just stuff you've never seen on TV before, yeah. not to that level. And this is not an episode like that. I mean, there, there are some scenes that, that are kind of subtly devastating, like the one you mentioned with Uncle Junior, and there's a couple others like it. But it's it's very much, to me, like a Life Goes On Sopranos episode.
1: The stuff with, with AJ and Meadow really stuck out to me when I watched the episode last night. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, last night was the fastest that episode ever flew by for me. Sure. Um, but just also, like... You know, there's that scene where Meadow's like old friend, who's actually played by David Chase's daughter, I believe, Hunter, Miss Hunter, Miss, yeah, Hunter. She she comes by and like Carmela's like sort of smug because that kid was always sort of a screw up when they were in high school. And you know, Hunter tells Carmela like I got my act together. I'm in med school. Mm-hmm. And Carmela always wanted Meadow to become a doctor. And like you just get the sense that like Carmela's pride is really hurt. So she sort of looks down <laughs> and like shrinks away. And like you know, there's a lot of stuff like that, sure. like talking about. um like Tony's talking to Meadow later about her career, and like sort of saying, "Like, well, why don't you become a pediatrician?" And Meadow's saying, "Like, well, I want to be a civil rights lawyer because I've seen how wrongfully the law enforcement has treated you." And, and, and he's like, like, uh. Tony's like, "Wrongfully, I don't know." You know, there's just so many layers going yeah. on between these. But again, these, these are these are small
2: moments, basically. These, these well, aren't like Tony choking the life out of Christopher. These, these but aren't-
1: you, you you have the 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 car exploding. You have Philly getting popped, like in two senses, popped. literally popped. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, and then you have, like, the most iconic ending of a TV show ever.
2: That's true. Although, it's mo- this kind of leads me to my next point, because I think that scene is really only iconic because you know it's the last scene. So I wonder, like, I would love to have an experiment sometime. And then this would be a terrible thing to do to another person, but it would almost be worth doing for the sake of the experiment. Have somebody who doesn't really know The Sopranos that well and just be like, oh, The Sopranos episode's on. Let's watch it. Let's just pretend it's, like, a random third-season episode. And, and get their reaction after the episode's over. Like, what do you think they would say about it?
1: I feel like they would say, uh, they would probably immediately say not too much happened in that. Huh? Exactly. I guess. And, and
2: that's kind of the point, And it's why it's kind of a conceptually brilliant episode to me, but it'll never be like that kind of visceral, like, Oh my God, that's the best episode of television I've ever seen. Where Whereas I, I did have that reaction to certain other Sopranos
1: episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'd put it in the top five, but, uh, but, yeah, I don't think it's the best episode on the show. Yeah.
2: But it is probably the best use of music on the show and uh, certainly yeah. one of the greatest ever. And uh, so thank you very much, Kyle McGovern, noted Journey superfan, <laughs> definitely <laughs> noted S- Sopranos uh, you know, feature-length viewer. Uh, and and thank you so much for coming on, making your first Coming Around Again appearance.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Of course.